Hey guys, uh, it's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's time for part one of my sit down with my uh, UK friend Charlie Mullen on the Big Deep podcast. Before I bring in Charlie, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see my co- all the content. Check out my breakdown of all the wide receivers for Championship Sunday yesterday's. Video with Alice. Also, check out the Big Deep podcast on Spotify and Apple. So, joining us for part one of all football, football, football conversation is my friend from across the pond, Charlie Mullen. Charlie, uh, how are things going in the UK tonight? Yeah, very good. We're just waiting for the Premier League to restart and, uh, well, Seems like an eternity away, but um, it's FA Cup action this weekend and then Premier League the weekend after that. So we've got a bit of waiting to do before that. Um, at least we've got the Super Bowl to look forward to before the, um, well, no, it's the same weekend. But um, a lot of the um, transfer window activity, um, we'll soon be able to see how those players perform at their new clubs. And the ones who didn't get a move, um, it'll be interesting to see what their attitude is like being at the club that they perhaps didn't want to be at in February. But we shall see. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned transfer deadline because <laughs> yesterday the transfer deadline came and passed with uh, a couple big moves. Uh, Pierre, bon- Pierre, Eric Aubameyang, leaving Barcelona, uh, to join Barcelona. Dele Alli, leaving Spurs to join Everton. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Uh, Donny Vandebeck, is, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah. Left Man United to join Everton on loan. Uh, a couple other moves before deadline day. But uh, what team do you think made the best investment before before deadline before doing deadline day? I'll tell you what, Dylan. Um, let's do this again in May and I'll give you my answer then. (laughs) Um, We don't know. We don't know who's going to have the best window activity um, in January. However, we can only look at what the deals have done um, on paper. And I think possibly Everton have done very well um, getting Deli Alley, as you said, and Donny van de Beek as well from Man United. Neither player had a future at Spurs and Man United, respectively. So perhaps a fresh uh, venue, um, change of scenery will revitalize their careers and um, we can see what they're actually capable of because we haven't seen much from them this season and even last season. They are two very good players. and Perhaps Frank Lampard, um, bold move for him to join Everton. Um, many people would probably advise him not to do it, uh, myself included. But it's a challenge. He must be up for it. And um, looking at the players that he has, he must think he can get them. Well, first aim is to get into the top 10 and then see what happens after that finish as high as possible. Um, I'm very intrigued. It's probably not the biggest or the best signing of the transfer window, but from a personal level or, you know, a humane level, it's great to see Christian Eriksen uh, back playing football again. Um, for Brentford on a six-month deal. Um, I think anybody who watched what happened in the Euros last summer, um, it's a horrible situation. And 
I know that he couldn't play for Inter because of their regulations regarding players who have hard cardiac arrests. Um, so he's had to look elsewhere and he feels he's fit enough and healthy enough to play football again. So um, good luck to him. And I hope, I really do hope that it works out well and he enjoys his time at Brentford and he can continue his career and um, see it through to a natural finish without it being forced on him by injury or the heart condition that he, he has. Yeah, I'm glad that Christian Eriksen's back playing football and back playing football in England because I remember him showing up every day for Spurs. One of my favorite players to watch. Every It seemed like every time I watched a Spurs game, he was creating something, whether it be from a free kick, a corner, or just an open play. And uh, well, I know when he collapsed, in Copenhagen, I'm like, holy, you know what, but glad he's back. And um, I'm intrigued to see what Deli Ali and Donny Van de Beek do for Everton because we haven't seen them play much. And Frank Lampard's got a tough assignment because Everton didn't exactly look competitive under Rafa Benitez. It looked like a stale club. Not no energy, no excitement. The Luca Dean situation was hopeless. Why would you? I mean, why Rafa basically wanted Luca Dean out of the club when he's was such an instrumental player? Just seemed fruitless. But point you know, point, you, go did ahead. You not think, did you not think, Dylan, that um, perhaps <clears throat> would it not have been better to sack Benitez? before letting Lucas Dean go? I think it would have made more sense getting rid of your manager and getting rid of your left back. Which, because, you know, which, which they did. Now they've got neither. If they had got rid of Benitez, they would still have the player. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, why would you... If you're going to get rid of Luca Dean, why don't you get rid of the manager who's not playing him? And he's basically saying Luca Dean couldn't play because he was hurt. Well, that didn't make sense because Luca Dean played for France at the Euros. There's a, I mean, if he's good enough to play for Didier Deschamps, why the heck is he not good enough for you? Well, I'll stop you there. Paul Pogba also played in that team. <laughs> Hey, hey, he's not the only player. He's not the only miserable player at Manchester United this year. There's another one we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, who did you think has the best activity in the transfer window? Uh, a couple clubs. I really like what Barcelona did. It's, I mean, how Barcelona made a couple of big additions when they're, what, one point. Four billion, not million dollars in debt, but billion dollars in yeah. debt. I don't know what yeah. the exchange rate over in the UK is, but uh, uh, Fernand Torres was a big signing for Manchester City. Uh, I don't want to only joining them from Wolves, brings a ton of pace. We know what he's capable of doing from Wolves. And then appear and Danny Alves, seemingly the ageless Danny Alves back at Barcelona playing under Chelsea. What it and you sure this isn't like a the the old timers game? He's actually back at Barcelona. Yeah. And then and then last night getting Pierre Eric Aubameyang from 
Arsenal, uh, I mean, it seemed like whenever he went off the deep end, Mikel Alten wanted Aubameyang gone, and hopefully if you're a Barcelona fan, Aubameyang has got something left in the tank and maybe a chip on this on his shoulder. Yeah, um, again, he's one of those players that he has the quality, but his head just doesn't seem to be right for the last six months to a year or whatever. Mm. He seemed happy towards the end of last season, was it? Or the season before when he scored, I hate to say it, um, in the um, FA Cup final, I think it was, against Chelsea, didn't it? Yeah. Don't remind me of that. No. No. But, um, yeah, no, it's... Newcastle also have spent a lot of money and they needed to, but are they good enough to survive, stay in the Premier League, avoid relegation? I'm not so sure. Sometimes when you bring in a lot of players for a lot of money, it causes unrest in the changing room with the rest of the players. So we have to see what happens there. I mean, Newcastle, Newcastle went almost like the LA Rams went all in, added Kieran Trippier, we know what Kieran Trippier can do as a set piece taker. Veteran played in the Premier League a long time for Spurs. Went to Atletico Madrid. Now back with Newcastle. Chris Wood is a striker. Is Chris Wood really Newcastle's answer as a striker? Maybe, maybe not. But we'll see. Uh, Dan Byrne. Could be that useful defender. And then maybe the most interesting signing is uh, the uh, playmaker from Leon, uh, Bruno Gamera. Bruno Gamera's. And is that yeah. it's interesting? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's okay spending all that money, but whether they are good enough to um, survive, I'm not, I, again, like I said, I'm not so sure, but you know, we'll see. You know, this with Eddie Howe, they're going to play attractive football. The question is, can Newcastle hold on to a lead? Because it seems like Newcastle can get leads. The problem is, can you stop the other team from scoring? Exactly. So uh, it was interesting because uh, before deadline day, a couple of U.S. men's natural team players joined made moves. Uh, uh, Ricardo Pepe joined uh, Augsburg from FC Dallas. Uh, Darrell Dyke joined West Brom. And then uh, the New England Revolution goal, goalkeeper Matt Turner will join Austin in the summer. Yeah. That, that's, that's a good move for him. Um, obviously, Arsenal have um, Ramsdale, who's um, doing a good job at the minute. So yeah, he's got a fight on his hands, but yeah, it's a good move for him. A little like Zach Stampin. I mean, do I say do I see Turner leaping over Ramsdale? Probably not, but I think he'd be great as a number two. Now, watching Turner play the last couple of games, he's not great with the ball on his feet, and more and more goalkeepers are, are being judged by how by passing out from the back. You don't see you don't see a true sh- sh- shot stopper anymore. Outside maybe uh who's Jan Black with Atletico Madrid. You don't see a you don't see a traditional goalkeeper. They're more sweeper keepers like uh Ederson for man or uh, Alisson 
Oh, uh, man won't the ageless man won't know her from uh, Bayern Munich. Yeah, but um, he'll get his opportunities because obviously Arsenal do tend to change their goalkeepers when it's the cup competitions. So if they go far in the EFL Cup or the Carabao Cup, he'll get, I don't know, five or six games there possibly. And then obviously the FA Cup. Um, they're not in Europe this year, but they will be probably next year, hopefully, from Arsenal's point of view. So, yeah, he will get his opportunities. And it's up to him, obviously, to take them with both hands. No pun intended, being a goalkeeper. So, um, as with any transfer winner, there are winners and losers. Which clubs and players do you think lost during the transfer window? Jesse Lingard. Uh, agreed. Uh, Jesse Lingard, A, B, C, D, and E. Yeah. However, I was thinking about this earlier today. He's going to get more opportunities now to play because of a certain situation that's happening here in England that I'm sure you know very well uh, with a fellow striker at Manchester United. So um, Jesse Lingard might see more game time than he has so far this season. But listen, the guy is talented. He showed it last year at West Ham. Manchester United wouldn't allow him to leave in the summertime. They wanted to keep him. But he hasn't, you know, it's okay keeping the player, but you have to play him. And they're not playing him. And they wouldn't let him, you know, they wouldn't sell him back to West Ham this year because West Ham are rivals for Manchester United for a top four place. So I do feel sorry for Jesse Lingard. But however, as I said, with what's happening with Mason Greenwood, then... I think we'll see more of Jesse Lingard um, in the second half of the season. I hope so, because I, I do like him, and I think he should get more airtime, more airtime, more game time for Manchester United. I mean, Jesse Lingard was the start, was a critical player for England at the World Cup. I mean, West Ham wouldn't have been anywhere near Europe, Europe last year without Lingard. Versatile player. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I don't get it. Maybe the fact that Ronaldo came in so late just changed the Lingard plans because how can Jesse Lingard go from a starter with West Ham every week to not even playing for Manchester United? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to figure out. But I think I've said to you before on these podcasts, the manager sees the players Monday, Monday, Friday. Supporters only see them when they've got a match, uh, maybe on a Saturday or a Tuesday, Wednesday night. So whether there's something more to it with Jesse Lingard, maybe his attitude and training isn't right, but there's no doubting the ability that the boy has. And yeah, fingers crossed that in the second half of this season, he plays enough game time to, to persuade Manchester United that he has a future at Old Trafford. If they're not going to play him, then do the decent thing. Release him and let him join another club. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, London, how about uh, what Arsenal did or maybe didn't do in the January transfer window? Obviously, we talked about getting Turner, but he's not coming until the summertime. And uh, letting Pierre Bonnier go without without getting another striker seems a bit odd. There might have been reasons why Arsenal let him go. Maybe, yeah. maybe he pissed off a few players, but uh, it seems odd what Arsenal didn't do this transfer window. Yeah, but I think Arsenal's philosophy now, 
pardon me, is to um, promote from within. You know, we've seen the young players that are coming through. We've seen Saka, uh, we've seen Emile Smith Rowe, and we, we, you know, young players like that who Arteta is prepared to give a chance, and they're they're taking these chances. And Martinez as well is another one. So, you know, you look at the forward players that they have, the three that I've mentioned, as well as Lacazette. So it's not too bad, really, when you look at those four players for Arsenal. Yes, they could have done with somebody else, but, you know, I think Mikel Arteta is looking for a nice culture in there. We spoke about Everton earlier on, and that whole club was just toxic with Rafa Benitez there. And I think um, Mikel Arteta is doing a very good job of getting rid of the perhaps potential toxic within that squad, i.e. Aubameyang. And um, yeah, I think there's enough young players coming through at Arsenal that um, they've got a bright future ahead of them. I'm not saying they're going to win the Premier League in the next few years or whatever, but it'll be a lot better than what it has been um, in the last year or two. You think there's a chance Austin could finish? I mean, top four might be out of reach, but could Austin be back in Europe? Yeah, I think you're looking at they should be able to push for a top four. Now, they could do that a couple of ways. They can do that during the league, you know, through the league, or if they win the FA Cup, or if they... Except I think Austin was out of the FA Cup. Oh, good point. Good point. Forgot about that. Yeah, good point. Um, Yeah, so they have to do it through the league. Yeah, good point. So, yeah. Um, But I think they, they should still have enough quality to finish... In the European places, um, and, that, and that's probably the the most exciting thing to look forward to in the Premier League this year. Um, Man City have won the league. Second and third look to be between uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. So the race for top four um, is probably going to attract more attention than perhaps anything else. The relegation battle is looking pretty good, but again, that's between four teams. And um, we might see Watford cut adrift in the next week or so. We might see Burnley pull away. Newcastle might pull away. So come the end of the season, the bottom three might be done and dusted, which leaves the attention on who will finish fourth and fifth and sixth. So, yeah, um, plenty to look forward to. And by the end of the season, Watford will probably sack two more managers anyway. Only two? Mm. <laughs> the over-under on that would be probably 1.5, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Walford's already gotten rid of two managers, and it's February 1st. I mean, there's still the season left. I think it's eight managers have lost their job in the Premier League already this season. That's incredible. (laughs) But listen, not not just lackluster clubs. I mean, Man United, Spurs, Mm -hmm. Villa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not feeling sorry for them because they are very well paid, so um, they won't be worrying about us, so we shouldn't really be worrying about them either. So while the Premier League is on hiatus until this weekend with FA Cup, the uh, some Premier League stars have been uh, playing, not playing internationally. I mean, yes, the African Cup Nations taking place, but uh, the U.S. men's national team has been playing, although not playing very well, mm-hmm. always in CONCACAF qualifying. The U.S. struggled to beat uh, El Salvador 
Now, Columbus on Thursday night, and in Canada beat Amer the Americans 2-0 in Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, now the U.S. has got a first a must-win game against uh, bottom uh, Honduras tomorrow night. So, you know me, I'm an American. This pains me. But what is wrong with the U.S. men's national team? Well, I was going to ask you what is wrong with Christian Pulisic because he seems to have gone off the boil for Chelsea in the Premier League as well. So um, I thought maybe um, the transfer window might have seen him move on somewhere, but that didn't happen. Um, I don't know. What do you think of Pulisic? I see, I see, I see Pulisic... Caught between caught between a deer and the headlines. I think he's trying to do too much. Yes, we know what Pulisic is at his talent, but I saw him on Thursday night not not looking anywhere near the player I remember him. He he just looked out of sync. He 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 just looked like the game the game had. I don't. I don't know what to say. It just looked like a player's struggle. I mean, Pulisic usually takes a lot of corners for the U.S. And be honest, none of those corners look threatening. And the U.S. should. And the U.S. possess a high advantage of El Salvador, and none of those corners really look threatening from Pulisic. From Pulisic, he just looks. Different. He just looks off right now. I I don't know if he just. I don't know if it's because he's not playing the game like he should be, or something's just not right. Because physically, physically, I think Pulisic looks fine, but mentally, mm. I don't think Pulisic is not himself. He is not himself. No, no. I guess it's like Mo Salah when he plays for Egypt. He is the star player and people expect him to carry the team on his shoulder. And I think, I guess that's again, the same with Pulisic. He puts everything on his shoulders, um, but you can't do it on your own. Um, I know that Egypt have made the semifinals of the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, thanks for, you know, down to Mo Salah in, in no small part. Um, so I think others around both Salah and Pulisic for America um, they need to step up their gear um, and help him out and take some of that responsibility off his shoulders. Otherwise, the future doesn't look any doesn't look good. And I mean, especially with Canada, especially with Canada top of the, the the group. I mean, that must be heartbreaking for Americans to see that. Yeah, especially because I don't remember the last time Canada even played in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, right now, Canada's probably in. I mean, everybody's saying it's three, it's three, it's four clubs, for, it's th four nations for three spots. It's two and three because I think Canada's already in the all but in the World Cup. And you look at the U.S.'s last three games. Yes, they should, the Americans should beat Honduras tomorrow night in Minneapolis. But then they've got an away trip to Azteca, Mexico City, Panama and Orlando, and Costa Rica, and an away trip to San Jose, Costa Rica. 
And if I and if I remember the last time the U.S. played a World Cup qualifier in San Jose, we lost four now. Ouch. Mm. Yikes. And Jurgen Klinsmann, Jurgen Klinsmann was sacked. All right. Mm. Well, you should beat Honduras tomorrow night. So if we don't if we don't beat Honduras tomorrow night, we don't deserve to play in the World Cup. No. No, I do remember Canada playing in the World Cup, maybe 1978, 82, maybe. Um, you probably weren't born by then, so I'll stop uh, talking. 94 now. was the first World Cup for me. Right, yeah, okay. I'll stop talking now. <laughs> Feeling old. <clears throat> I hey, 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 at the 94 World Cup, there, there were not any British teams. I think that Ireland and Northern Ireland, oh, Ireland yeah, Republic of Ireland, I think, were the only ones. No, you have to go back to 1986 for the last time. My country, Northern Ireland, last made it to the World Cup. Hey, you could. Hey, if Italy. Hey, if Italy can't play. Hey, if Italy. If Portugal beat Italy, we could blame Italy. Could blame Northern Ireland for knocking Italy into the qualify into the qual into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think we'll be making the World Cup anytime soon. But never mind. It's the hope. You know, you got to hope. <clears throat> so, you don't have hope, you have nothing. So, I don't know if you've seen the U.S. play games because all games take place late at night. But to me, I, I'm confused for Craig Berthold because 11 of the 13 U.S. goals have come after halftime. How does that how does that happen? How does well, that I don't know. I mean, obviously, as a stat geek myself, I do like that stat. Um, you've got to look at the fact that, you know, um, what works in the first half, they can't carry into the second half because of the 15-minute interval. Um, it's the same in any sport, you know. Um, you look at the NFL, some teams, Cincinnati, for instance, um, they're a second half team um, just slow out of the blocks but you know when it comes to the second half um, they manage to get things clicking and yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those quirky sort of trends or not a trend but a stat that uh, I'm sure the US men's team would like to um, get rid of and I'm sure you'll be happy for one second half goal tomorrow night um, if if it means, sorry, did you say all the goals are scored in the second half or in the first half? 11 of the 13 goals have come after halftime. What they've scored or conceded? Scored, the U.S. Scored. has scored 11. All oh, right, yeah. So you're, you're, you're slow starters, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, again, I mean, some managers set their teams up to be sort of cagey in the first half get the halftime level you know or you know definitely without conceding a goal and then look to step it up in the second half so I can understand that it would have been different if it was all the way around and you were conceding 11 of 13 goals in the second half that means there's a concentration issue but um, <clears throat> yeah I'm sure every team would like to get off to a fast start but um, Honduras tomorrow night could be a chance to net a few goals before halftime I know it would pain me. I know it would pain me being a being a Chelsea and US fan. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Pulisic's watching on the pine. 
tomorrow night. Mm. Yeah, um, but well, yeah, possibly because then they won't have to rely on him. You've seen that before in the games, uh, not just with Chelsea or you know when a star player isn't involved, the rest of the players don't have that focal point. You know, up front, you know the the outlet ball. Um, so if he isn't there, they've got to figure it out themselves, come up with a different game plan, get more players involved. And um, it could be a masterstroke not playing him and leave him until second half. If you still haven't scored any goals with like half an hour to go, great player to bring off the bench. He walked in, he walked in Cincinnati against Mexico, against El Tree. Cincinnati against? Mexico. All right. Yeah. Well, that would be a big one, wouldn't it? Uh, but if we're no no at halftime, everybody's going to be roasting Burhalter if Pulisic's on the pine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think if you lose tomorrow night, then serious questions have to be asked. But um, you take a one 0 win, wouldn't you? Just regardless of the opposition. I mean, Honduras, they're not going to be too adventurous against your team are they so they might just sort of set themselves up with a defensive game plan so it might be hard to break down and a 1-0 win well you would take that wouldn't you I'd take anything mm-hmm. yep because with that hard finish I mean if the US can't get all three points tomorrow night we're in trouble mm-hmm. yep so this concludes part one of our conversation. You will be able to hear part two later. Uh.